And here we go on this Rumination Tuesday, December the 22nd in the year of our Lord, 2020. Let all together praise our God. Let all together praise our together praise our God and we're going to be taking a look at that hymn first of all let me share a little bit about the author his name is Herman Nicholas we're not sure when he was born they think he was born around 1500 and he was very much influenced by Martin Luther's writing in fact by 1524 he was actually corresponding with Martin Luther he worked closely with the leading preacher in his area of Germany, Johann Matthias, and he had preached a series of sermons on Martin Luther. And what Herman Nicholas was doing, or I should say Nicholas Herman, he was gifted as a creator of music and for corporate worship, but really did a lot of items for his student choirs in both the boys' and the girls' schools where he taught. His belief is that tunes carry the melodic message of the biblical words with great effectiveness into the hearts of hearers and readers. And he died on May 15, 1561. The translator, the main one, was Samuel Johnsoul, and he died in 2001. We talked about him in regard to another hymn. Uh, he was also well-known, appointed to the Commission on Worship of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, in 1978, and worked with its hymn text and music committee. Now, what was interesting about Samuel Janso is in translating this particular hymn, he actually added a verse, verse 7, that we do not find anywhere in the German. And so that was a verse we'll be taking a, a look at. You notice that I played a piece that doesn't have the words exactly the same as in our hymnal, there are a number of translations, 
but it appeared to be the most understood hymn. And so you get a chance of what it sounded like. And we've got Mark Smith on with us to get today. I'm Tom Baker. And Mark, you said you weren't that familiar with this tune. Well, I wasn't familiar with the title. You know, the titles had some change in it. Uh, it, it in, in the older hymnal, it was called Praise God the Lord, Ye Sons of Men. And I guess there was maybe a little bit too much testosterone in that title. They softened it a little bit, <clears throat> didn't make it so heavy and masculine. Let all together praise our God, which is fine, you know, but it's just kind of interesting that uh, even our hymnals, even the words in our hymnals change a little bit with the times, I guess. Oh, my, yes. In fact, this hymn is set for the Sunday after Christmas. And so that's why we're looking at it today, and we'll be using it in the uh, services this Sunday. But without further ado, let's kind of take a look at the actual words, if you would read stanza one. Okay. Let all together praise our God before his glorious throne. Today he opens heaven again to give us his own son, to give us his own son. So what we have here is a wonderful praise to God for what has happened at Christmas. Uh, this was actually published around 1555 in a set of three Christmas hymns that Hermann wrote for the children that he taught at Johannesburg, And it's all about calling upon all Christians to return to praise God in the same way that the shepherds returned to their flocks. And the Bible says they told a lot of people about what they had seen. And That's so right. this is kind of a follow-up there. Yeah, I remember after after they'd seen the Christ child themselves, they went uh, they went on their way rejoicing and uh, spreading the good news, spreading the word. Yes. Now there's a phrase today he opens heaven again. That sounds like heaven was closed. Well, uh, you know, uh, uh, there's also a verse. Let's see, in a similar hymn that says. Uh, he opens up again the door of paradise today. The angel guards the gate no more. To God our thanks we pray. You know, the angel the angel used to guard uh, Eden. Remember when Adam and Eve were thrown exactly. out of the garden? And yes. Now the, the, angel no, the angel no longer guards the door since Christ came. Excellent point. Excellent point. I'll read stanza two. He leaves his heavenly Father's throne is born an infant small, and in a manger poor and lone, lies in a humble stall, lies in a humble stall. You know, why is that a humble stall? Because even the wise men, where did they go expecting to find the Son of God? They went to Jerusalem. They went yes. uh, to consult with uh, King Herod. They thought for sure this newborn king would be born in Jerusalem. And instead, he's born in a humble stall. And it begins to 
help us to understand there's a distinction we make of Jesus in contrast to uh, law and gospel, and that's his humiliation and exaltation. This is part of his humiliation, which means he humbled himself in order that he might be able to do the work that God had sent him on. Yes. So, stanza three. Within an earthborn form, he hides his all-creating light. To serve us all, he humbly cloaks the splendor of his might. The splendor of his might. Now, yeah, that's definitely that's definitely a state of humiliation, where he, you know, he uh, he doesn't leave behind his uh, his almightiness or anything. He, but he he does leave his uh, the, the heavenly glory behind and in exchange uh is just is is conceived and born of a of a of a, a human virgin and uh, of all places born in a in a, a humble stall manger laid in a manger where cattle normally feed yes a lot of artistic renderings of jesus especially in the manger have a halo around his head. Yeah, right. You see a lot of that on, on bulletin covers and the like. And that isn't true. In right. fact, we were looking at a hymn uh, we had sung in church, and I had to make a correction. It talked about Gabriel coming to Mary, and he had these wonderful wings as well as fire coming from him. And uh -huh. there's no indication of that in the Bible at all. Uh-huh. That that's that... how he came to Mary. Uh-huh. So we we need to take a look carefully as to what is said. There's no halo around Jesus when he walked around. But there was an occasion when he kind of took off his cloak of glory. That's his, you're talking about his transfiguration. Exactly. And that was only a minuscule percentage of his glory. Because right. in heaven, while there may be a sun, there's going to be no need for the sun because of the brilliant light of Jesus. Right. And so he's going to be much more glorified than he was on the Mount of Transfiguration. But it's very clear that Jesus himself ties the Mount of Transfiguration experience into the resurrection. He tells his people, and in fact, Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration, what's the discussion they're having according to the Bible? They're talking about his departure. Uh, the word is actually his exodus. Exodus. Uh, that he will yes. accomplish, that he'll accomplish in a short time when he when he goes to the cross uh, in Jeru outside of Jerusalem. Yes. Now, verse 4 uh, provides a concept you like using. I'll read it. He undertakes a great exchange, puts on our human frame, and in return gives us his realm 
His glory and his name, his glory and his name. Now, what do we often talk about in regard to that? We talk about the great exchange. Actually, we talk about him exchanging, uh, giving us his, his salvation, his robe of righteousness, and exchange him taking on our sinfulness. Yes. Taking those sins with him to the cross where he suffered for them. I think that's what is meant yes. uh, when Herman says, puts on our human frame, that he also puts on himself being a sinner, the greatest sinner, so that when he died on the cross, he died for the sins of the whole world. That's right. And he became the, became the epitome of sin, really. He, he carried so much sin upon himself that his heavenly father basically had to turn his back on his son and, and, and forsake him. Yes. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is a, a good hymn writer. By the way, Nicholas Herman was a lot like Martin Luther in that the hymns that he wrote, he not only wrote the text, but he also wrote the notes, the tune. Yeah. And... It's a, it's, uh, it's it's Go a ahead. good hymn. It's it, it's it's a great hymn. It's it's familiar to me. I was just I was just thrown off by the title a little bit. It's a different title than I'm than I'm uh, familiar with. Yeah, they do make changes from one to the other uh, as they go through the various hymnals. And as I said, one of the translators with F. Samuel Janso, who added a seventh verse. We'll get to that in a little bit. But if you would read stanza five. Sure. He, he is a servant, I a Lord. How great a mystery. How strong the tender Christ child's love. No truer friend than he. No truer friend than he. Now, if you ask most, even Lutherans, if we're talking about Jesus and us, who is the servant and who is the Lord? I'll bet you nine times out of ten they'll say Jesus is the Lord. Of course. Yeah, and notice that the word Lord is not capitalized in this line. He exactly. Doesn't, he doesn't mean to say that we take the place of God by any means, but uh, but uh, in the sense that uh, we're adopted into the into the family now. Uh and and because well of that, uh, in order to do that, he took the he took the form of a humble servant. And he continues to serve us right. at the right hand of God. That's right. Because he is the intercessor for every Christian. And in contrast to the devil, who's a prosecuting attorney, Jesus is our defense attorney. Right. Our advocate. He doesn't defend us by saying, look how much better they are now. They're hardly sinning at all. He defends us by pointing out that he took upon himself the punishment of our sin. And therefore, that's something that God will not punish us for eternally in hell. And that's, that's right. His blood, his blood has infinite value. And it's, it's more than uh, capable of atoning for all of our sins. Yes, and that is found throughout the Old Testament that any time 
animals were sacrificed, looking forward to the sacrifice of Jesus, they were always sacrificed with blood being shed. Because without blood being shed, there was no opportunity for forgiveness. And Hebrews makes clear that the sacrifice of animals didn't forgive anybody, but it pointed to the sacrifice of Jesus, who, whose sacrifice would forgive the sins of all. Yeah, in fact, it says, it says in the Bible expressly, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Divine blood had to be shed, the blood of the Son of God himself. That's right. And that's why he became a human being. That's why we would often have on our signs outside the church that I was at, he was born in order to die. Right. And we got a lot of comments on that. Is what do we mean by that? But that was the purpose of his birth. In fact, the purpose of his baptism was in order that he might be a sinner. That's right. And by yeah. becoming the great sinner of the world and dying on the cross for the sins of every person, he therefore brought redemption to the whole world and the message of the gospel. Yeah. I remember sending out a Christmas card years ago that had on the cover little uh, baby footprints with spots of blood in them. Oh, to really? remind people to my to remind people that this little infant, this precious little infant of Bethlehem, uh, behind him was the cross. Of course, uh, ahead of him rather was the cross. I mean, that little that little baby was born, and as you said, in order to die for all of us. And there are experiences that we hear of in the Bible. For example, the wise men. One of the gifts they brought was embalming fluid. So yeah. they knew he was going to die. And then remember, Judas gets real angry at this woman putting perfume on Jesus' feet. And Jesus gives a reason why she's doing that. Do you remember what that was? She's anointing me for my burial, as he said. Exactly. So those who were of the faith could come to understand uh, two of them that we just talked about in a Bible study and readings was Simeon and Anna. And yes. Simeon, even what does Simeon warn Mary of? She says, and he says, and a sword will pierce your soul also, Mary. Excellent. Yes. You know, remember and, that. What, what a sobering, what sobering word those must have been to her. Well, it says that both he, she and Joseph contemplated yes. what Simeon and Anna had to say. And we know that Simeon's words were true because it talks about that he was brought to the temple by the Holy Spirit at the same time that Jesus was there because he had been told that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. And that's, that's right. why, what do we sing after communion? We sing what we call the Nunc Dimittis, which is Simeon's swan song. He said, Lord, now let thy servant myself in other words depart in peace for my own Excellent. eyes have seen the salvation that you've prepared yes well said all right stanza six please he is the key and he is the door to blessed paradise 
The angel bars the gate, no, the angel bars the way no more. To God our praises rise. To God our praises rise. Now, you'd already mentioned that. Right. That the reason that uh, heaven is open, according to verse 1, is because it was closed, according to verse 6. Yeah. So how is Jesus the key? He's the key. He he, he unlocks. Well, it's like he says, uh, he gives us the office of the keys. Uh, he himself is the key. If, if, if you believe in Jesus, the gates of heaven are open to you. If you don't, they're closed. And he gave those keys the night of the resurrection. Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted. Whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. That's right. And so the key to heaven is not our works, but through faith we enter right. blessed paradise. In faith in Christ, right. Christ is now, the key. Stanza seven's got a triangle in front. That means it's a doxological verse. That means uh, all all persons of the Trinity are are praised. And as I indicated, there appears to be no original German translation of that. So it's believed that Samuel Janso wrote this verse. So let's kind of go over that. If you would read stanza seven. Okay. Your grace and lowliness revealed. Lord Jesus, we adore, and praise to God the Father yield, and spirit evermore. We praise you evermore. Yes, a lot of uh, hymns no longer have an uh, amen at the end of it, but they have what you refer to as a doxological idea of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Samuel Janso would have known about that because he helped put this hymnal together. And once more repeats kind of what the hymn is saying. Your grace in lowliness revealed, Lord Jesus, we adore. That's talking about his state of humiliation again. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that he added, he must have felt that this hymn needed to be concluded in a special way by acknowledging and praising the trinity i don't know if they i don't know if they would have stood as we stand today for a doxological verse or not what do you think tom do you think they stood in 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 worship for for a doxological verse they probably didn't have a triangle before the words as as we have which is so helpful but uh, all evidently you have to evidently, do is wait all you have yeah. to do to answer your question is look at the old hymnal uh -huh. There are no doc triangles. Mm -hmm. So we never sang when we just used the hymn before this one. We never stood. Right. right. So where that came from, it could be some historical note that we know that they did stand when the hymn was to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit mm -hmm. at the end. Yeah. The other thing that uh, Janso does in every other verse, the last two lines are identical. Yeah, but in this I one, that too. 
But I noticed that one, also. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry to talk over you, Tom. <laughs> and praise to God, the Father yield. In this one, he says, in spirit evermore, we praise you evermore. Yes, and so right. that kind of brings back what the hymn is doing, reminding us of the shepherds telling what they had seen. And now it's time for us to praise him evermore. Right. Indeed it is. Well, we're going to be moving from Christmas to Epiphany. We don't have much time for singing Christmas hymns. That's why I like singing them during Advent. And then we also play them in the Epiphany season. You bet. Merry Merry Christmas to you, Tom, and to all of our listeners. Yeah, it'll be two weeks before you get back on the air with me. All right. right, I'm Tom Baker, and I was Mark Smith. And tomorrow we're going to have a special Long Gospel, the last one of the year. Until then, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.